Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. We're coming at you from Shoulder to Shoulder Studios. Unfortunately, our guest for this week had to cancel at last minute. However, alongside Christian is Chris back with us in studio. Welcome back, brother. Thank you. It's definitely good to be back. I've been dealing with life events that come up and things like that, but I'm here. I'm back. We're making provisions so that I won't be missing any episodes, hopefully, ever again. Yeah, welcome uh, back to the studio, man. We yeah, missed it's, you. It's good to be back, you know. But lots have happened. We're not going to rehash everything that's uh, gone on at the club since my last episode, but uh, we'll talk about some of the more recent current events. We'll get into uh, the latest signing that we got on Monday. Uh, I think the, the official announcement was yesterday, yeah. yeah. So, so Monday. yesterday on Monday, the official announcement of Diego Palacios, mm-hmm. the Ecuadorian left back. Just have, uh, you know, talk about the club and just, you know, where what these signings mean and where they, they could adversely affect us in the future of players potentially being sold or what have you. Yeah, it's going to be a fun kind of freeform podcast. We'll bounce around some ideas for you guys today to try and get some content out for you. I would say most importantly, since our last show, we had a game, boys. Uh, So we were able to take down the New Jersey energy drinks, as we like to affectionately refer to them. (laughs) So uh, what did you guys think of uh, a 2-0 lead? All of a sudden, boom, boom, it's a 2-2 tie, and then then we go on to kind of walk away with a 4-2 game. I think uh, my opinion is is if if you're neutral and... I've been listening to the MLS hype and are tuning into our games. The last two matches would have been an exciting time, right? We beat Atlanta in a similar fashion. We previewed this game talking about how counter-attacking-minded the Red Bulls are, and we do that at times too, but we were able to possess, control the game to start, and their pressing was effective, and it caused two errors that became two goals for them to tie right before the half. At the half, I was a little nervous just because if they continued on that pattern, they had a chance to either draw or win away, which was uncalled for, in my opinion, which in terms of how they started playing. But I don't know, how did you guys see the first half? I, I was very impressed, maybe the first 15 or so minutes. And then too many mistakes, including Latif giving that first goal away. And I think they were unlucky on that second goal off the post. I feel like, at least in maybe this game against New York, our team did not look as sharp. There was a lot of sloppy passes. They didn't seem to have the positional awareness that we, I feel like we've had uh, at the beginning of the season. And I feel like there is an element of fatigue that you can kind of see coming on with the players, especially the ones that have been playing a lot of the, the minutes throughout the season. You know, And I, I'm just hoping that that's not the case and it was just a lapse of judgment in the game and in the moment. But... I felt like it was a little sloppy. There was a lot of errant passes. There was a lot of, you said, the the mistake with Latif, where he just didn't have that positional awareness around him. You know, I think so. There's a lot of things that we can do to be better, but it's obviously great that we came away with the result that we wanted. So last year we had the curse of the, you know, the final 10 minutes yeah. of the game seemed to get to us. It seems like we're developing a similar trend this year at the end of the first, first half. half. Yeah. Well, well, and I'm okay with that because whatever Bob is saying at halftime, and whatever he's pointing out, and I don't know what the staff is doing. Maybe they're pointing out or grabbing that tape of the little mistakes to make whoever made those mistakes aware and then move on from them because they came out confidently in the second half. And they stepped up, also created you know, two goals were from set pieces, which I was happy about because if that's happening, when teams sit in the low block and aren't allowing us any space, if we have the weapon of having a corner kick or a free kick in which we can be dangerous, we have another element where we can make teams nervous from. So we had two goals, two from defenders, which is great. Yeah, Eddie Segura's first goal, yeah. And who hadn't scored for LAFC previously. And and we had not been well, doing... both, partic- actually. Yeah, yeah. We have not been doing particularly well from set pieces to headers. That has not been something in our toolbox, so to speak. And to see both, you know, Harvey and Segura... To be able to get on a header like that and, and to slot both of them in fairly, you know, assuredly. That was great to see. I, I thought that was a really good sign that we were able to employ a different tactic and do so effectively. Especially, you know, congratulations to Jordan Harvey, too, for getting his first goal for the black and gold. And Double congratulations for expecting a child as yeah. well, too. Did you guys see his celebration at the end? He he put the ball underneath his jersey as if to represent a baby. And I guess they came out and later said, he's like, I don't know when the next chance that I would be able to score is, so I had to do the baby bump. Right. But, yeah, he expecting their second child. That's awesome. Yeah, we, so I sit in the southwest corner, so that's exactly where he celebrated. So 
I was like, oh, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't realize that that was... The universal... Well, I, I mean, I've seen other players do it, too, and I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that that meant, like, oh... We're pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. There's another one where it's either the they're expecting, the family's expecting, or they have a young child. It's when they rock, they rock the baby. I don't know if you've seen that before. What's the one where they put their thumb in their mouth? That means the baby's young, too, or it's they're expecting. So there's three, I guess. Good job. So, the, I mean, that's that's just what players do to say, hey, I scored a goal, and now, just to let you know in my personal life, I'm having a kid. Exactly. Huh? That's exactly right. right. Now it makes me want to pay a little bit more attention. Like, to the celebrations? Yeah. And usually at that point in time, I'm throwing a beer or dodging a beer. So right. in the North End, the I North don't End, typically yeah. see so many of the celebrations through the smoke and the beer and the flags and the high-fiving and hugging that typically goes on in the North End. So With that I'm going to tell you, it's not easy to watch a game from there. Oh, it's the best. I mean, it's gr- it's a great atmosphere. It's a great way to experience a game. Yes. It doesn't mean you have the best view at all times. It's uh, definitely the flags going in your face, and, yeah. you know, you're, like, looking around trying to take it all in. You know, at least for me, I'm trying to look around and see what the next word to the next line in the lyric is <laughs> going sure. to be. It's a different experience. I mean, you are the heartbeat at that point, so... You being able to see everything isn't necessarily the most important thing if you're yeah, in the North creating End. creating atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. So when you sold your tickets to my friend Juan for the game that he sat in the North End, he saw me the next day at work and he was like, dude, my legs are killing me. Yeah. I'm so tired. Like, it's a workout. I waved the flag once and I only did it for five minutes. I was sore for two days. I, I, I was like, what did I do yesterday? And I was like, <laughs> I waved the flag for five minutes. Right. It's a, some of those flags are really heavy, especially some of those big ones. You know, and yeah. a lot of the that's the, the one I waved. Yeah, well, yeah, LAO. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a massive flag yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, Dean, I knew it's kind of a, a quantity and size thing. There are some giant ones, but then there's just like 500 little ones. And you know, obviously, we saw some some extra flags during this last game as well too. You know, for those of you that don't know, I mean, Jonathan, you seem to have a pretty good understanding of everything behind it so yeah so for uh, you know maybe some of the fans that are not aware of what's been going on so this was a response to some incidents that have been happening around the league and there was a movement called a united front which uh, you can certainly follow that hashtag but in seattle mls decided to intervene and take some anti-fascist anti-racist flags away from supporters and so there was a call across the league for everyone to make some anti-fascist anti-racist support an attempt to show the mls that this is something that supporters are unyielding on that we do not feel mls stadiums are a place where intolerance will be tolerated and so that was the idea different people took it to different extremes and added their own personal touches to it which you know kind of sparks i think some healthy debate within the community and and i'm okay with that people should be allowed to express themselves i'm all for freedom of speech but we saw some events get out of control in atlanta where there were altercations between security guards and fans people ended up getting arrested and ejections and some rather unsavory stuff so you know, I was happy to say that from my vantage point, it seemed to be entirely peaceful as far as what took place in the North End. Some of the more distasteful two sticks or, or ones that may have crossed a line with some fans were confiscated. But many of the symbols and imagery that throughout the rest of the league had been banned were allowed to stay up in the North End. And, you know, the statement there was one of solidarity with supporters across the United States saying that the beliefs behind, you know, racism and fascism are not one that is going to be tolerated within the soccer community. And so we saw a couple of the supporters groups really get behind that this week. And so I think we saw some different designs and some different flair to the North End. And I think some of those flags were one time, and I think some of some of them are here to stay. So we'll see how that pans out for the rest of the season. You know, and what's interesting is that anti-fascist, uh, the three arrows pointing to the bottom left corner. The iron front, yeah. Right, the iron front. The explanation given to the Seattle fans was that it was anti-government. And right. that's actually not at all what that that symbol represents right it's like you said it's it's anti-racism anti-fascism it was an anti-nazi movement um, that's where that logo originally came from Uh, it dates you know all the way back to world war ii and it it was an anti-nazi statement and uh it's crazy i think in in you know just in in my life and my childhood to think that nazism is something that we're still fighting ideologically as a nation that in and of itself is perplexing but there's like a I forget which club it is. I want to say maybe it's like NYCFC or, but they have a supporters group that has been known, I guess, or that's speculated that there are 
some white supremacists that are part of it. And I think they were reprimanded. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they're gone. I don't think they're able to attend games anymore, but it doesn't mean they don't support the team. So, And this is not just something that's playing out in the United States. We see this happening all over the world where, you know, many parts of the world, and, you know, this is very different from what we've experienced in LAFC in the 3252, but, you know, in many parts of Europe, supporter culture is the exact opposite of what we're seeing here in the United States. It's it's extremely, uh, you know, opposite direction from these ideologies. And we do see lots of rampant racism and lots of rampant intolerant culture that can be present within some of these teams within Europe. So, you know, this is not just something that's playing out within supporter culture in Los Angeles or within MLS. You know, this plays out um, across all the leagues. You know, I mean, uh, even just recently, Chelsea fans, you know, had a huge ban for yelling, you know, we're effing racist during a game over and over. Um, you know, so, I mean, this this exists at all levels, even in, in you know, the British League and, and, and everywhere else. So It's good that LAFC allowed as much of as they could the supporters to push the envelope to kind of make a stand and state their statements. And so because of that, it just shows how much the club is looking to work alongside the supporters, right? There's a front office that they have to save face and they've got to, you know, handle business the way they see to it. And there's the message that the supporters want to put off. And it's it was just good to see them working together as best they could in this sort of environment. Yeah. When you see people start to express themselves, that's naturally going to spill over into other walks as well, too. So we lots saw lots of other things that you know, people in the LAFC community feel very strongly about, and they felt the need to make those messages, uh, you know, present at the bank as well, too. And I think, you know, from time to time, uh, you know, a little bit of ideological confrontation can be healthy within a community. I, I'd like to see people remain respectful about it, and we'll, we'll see how it pans out. I think it's good for the community to feel like they can be heard and expressed, uh, as long as it doesn't offend yeah, others, and I, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, right? Like, if somebody was on a more conservative view, sure, would that be... As welcomed I, I, in the North End. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's because a majority, I'd say, of the fans aren't conservative. So. Right. I would hope, you would hope, that in a perfect world, that if we are trying to show that it's shoulder to shoulder and that we're accepting everybody for their differences, because, I mean, we've dealt with it, whether it's the El Salvadorian community that is supporting Fito and then we've seen people that have been bashing Fito and that turns into more of a race thing as opposed to the actual people just don't like him because of the fact that he's from El Salvador and that's not that's not acceptable and that's not correct either and so in a perfect world you'd want everyone to be standing shoulder to shoulder whether it's for a player that's from a, a, a country that you may not be a fan of for whatever reason or if it's if you have lines on a different side of political views you would hope that they would still be able to express their views openly. No, I don't disagree. I think that you know, most people probably didn't notice this, notice the flags, which is a good or bad thing. I don't know, right? Because 32 Well, you can notice it on TV. Because I watched sure. the game on TV, and they paid a lot of attention. The camera zoomed in quite what? often. And I think it was a national thing, though. That's why. So MLS, I think TV-wise knew that this was happening in more than one stadium. So that's probably why they're featuring the fans. And I think the, the 3252 gets uh, featured anyway just because of the atmosphere they bring. So it was noticeable if you know what to look for, right? right. So I'd say most people didn't wouldn't know what that flag even means. Right. Well, I mean, obviously there were there were some other displays in the North yeah. End in this last game that were yeah. less subtle than, right. than, you know, the Iron Front. But, um, you know, I, again, any time... You know, the community is motivated and feels the need to say something. I'm glad that we have an avenue for, for those ideas to come out. Um, and I think that's that's part of what standing shoulder to shoulder is, is allowing people to have a voice. Uh, I have lots of friends within the 3252 that are conservative and lots of friends that, that are liberal. And, you know, most of them, yep. you know, when we're sitting there at the tailgate, you know, I mean... Whether we're talking you about the black and gold. We're not yeah, talking, talking about, about anything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, and, and even when it comes to some of these policies that, you know, are in question here within the North End, I think, you know, conservatives and liberals can ag- agree on a lot of things that we find questionable that are going on within the state of current affairs. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that that will sort of leave it at that because, I mean, we'll see, you know, where, where the conversation goes from here. But in case people were curious as to what was going on there, I think, you know, we there's some attention should be paid to to you know, the message being stated there. But, you know, back to what we saw on the pitch, um, I think that's, you know, we saw a game in which we were dominant. 
We took our foot off the gas. They got a couple lucky breaks, and then we decided to be dominant again. Uh, to me, this hails back to some of, you know, like us getting knocked out of the playoffs last year where, you know, we, we had a bit too much confidence and all of a sudden lucky breaks fell for the other team. Balls deflect ways we don't see them, you know, whether it's last year off Sims' face or, you know, in this game off well, Miller's back. I mean, those back. two kicks that Krylock had at, uh, last season were or at the in the playoffs. Well, yeah. I think a big difference is the team's mentality. They've been through more than a few games now where they've had to fight back or come back from a draw. One, two... The fact that we're scoring from a set piece is huge, especially in a game such as last year's playoff game in our, against RSL. Well, we couldn't break them down. We got fouls and free kicks and corner kicks, and we couldn't get one. So I think it's a momentum shifter. If 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 the team feels like they could sit back and then you're not effective in these set pieces, then they're going to be very, very confident. But if you are if you can't break them down, but they know that you can draw a foul and nick one that way and then open them up because now they're at a goal down, I think that's a whole different mentality that you put on the opponent team. You just hope that at the beginning of the season we were electric. We were scoring all sorts of goals and games were blowouts. And now you're seeing that as the season is getting closer and closer to the end of the regular season, it's not as clear-cut. And this is not the time to be having these non-clear-cut victories. You know, if anything, I would rather be electric again and winning outright. And, you know, when it was 2-0, I thought, oh, this is great. We're going to have another victory and it's going to be cruise control. But because of that mentality, that's how it ended up being two and two. And so, you know, granted, yeah, I'm not on the pitch and I'm not playing, but I'm just like, oh, you know, it's we we have the morale, we have the dominance, and we're just going to coast into another victory. You just hope that when it gets to the postseason, that it's this isn't the case. I mean, granted, Atlanta and New York Red Bull are you know some of the teams that you potentially would see in an MLS Cup, but it's it's still you don't want to have to. Fight your way through every game in that fashion. I'd rather have them have these types of games now than later. Because if if they have this kind of experience now where they feel like, okay, they've nicked one on us or they've tied us, but we've beat this team before or we we ground out a a win after this adversity, um, they didn't go through this last year. Um, No, absolutely. they They were either blowing people out or they were winning, and then the last 10 minutes they got tied or lost. Um, and I never felt like last year they got kind of this morale-type boosting win, and they've done that several times this year mm-hmm. in comparison. So I agree with you. I don't I don't prefer this, but if it's going to happen, no, I'd rather of course. in August, I, you September. You just hope that they make provisions and, and do the things that they got to do so that it doesn't continue. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we've also seen a little bit different style of play in this case than we're used to teams throwing at us, and we were able to respond to that as well too and ultimately win you know, by two goals, right? So... You know, we're a lot used to teams with, you know, with the low Brock counterattack. In this case, we saw a little bit more of the high press. And so technically um, we should have won by three goals that. Uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, Perez should have. Josh yeah. Perez had a at the end of the game, near the end of the game, uh, Josh Perez got subbed in, I think, in the 81st minute or 82nd minute. And uh, he had a beautiful pass from Carlos Vela and uh, he worked his way around the goalkeeper to an, uh, an empty net and. He didn't take his time, I guess, to pick up his head and and just make sure that there wasn't anything other than just a clear-cut straight shot into it. And he kicked the ball in, and one of the trailing defenders came in and made a great save. Yeah. You know, we forget also that K got one called back with a, an oh, inadvertent foul. True. Inadvertent foul. He he accidentally tripped someone in that's his stride. True. So it could have been four. Six. Yeah, that's true. Six to two. Yeah, and then it's a blowout at that point, yeah. and and we're not really. Then then it's a totally different conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you know, I mean, and, and even, you know, their their second goal goes post off the back of the keeper. And then in, you know, that that first goal had no business making it through traffic the way it did and, and, and hitting that side corner. So and they were even saying too on the analysts, it was a uh, Stu Holden. Mm-hmm. He was saying that that was something that Tyler Miller should have stopped. That was it was in traffic, but it was it. a bad giveaway. So it was a bad giveaway. That guy took it early and it was through traffic. So. I, I don't fault him for that one. Um, he's, I don't think he's that class of, of a keeper at this point in his career. He's a good keeper, but he, he's not like standing in his head every game. Um, I don't think that save 
he should have had really it was it was a tough save the second one too yeah, he really did cover the space it hit off the post and then it went off his back have you guys heard anything about Paulo Cisniega this is the second game where he hasn't dressed oh uh, well he had a shoulder injury yeah shoulder injury okay yeah so I, I think that's why he's sitting out um and you know like we were talking about this before we hit record here how young this team is you know I mean it's you know, Miller's going to have mistakes like this. He's an incredibly young keeper. Blessing is going to have giveaways. I mean, you know, it's going to take a while for these guys to really get that, you know, under their belt. Um, and he should have scored too. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the amazing that things about blessing? this team is is so he much did. talent we have. That... Oh, he should have scored a second. Oh. Yeah, he had a give and go with Carlos, and he oh, drove right. into the box, and he, he shot it at the keeper where he could have either struck it hard or side-footed it to the side netting, and he picked the wrong place. But no, you're right. I mean, there is a lot of youth on this, and I mean, that actually leads us into what I wanted to talk about with the transfer market. Sure, let's do it. This is, you know, it was good, right? We've got Brian Rodriguez, and we've got now Diego Palacios. And they, we lowered our average age. We got a 19- and 20-year-old, basically, right. which is kind of yeah, crazy. It's, it's just, you know, you, you talk about the current state of the club and where they're going to be in a year two years, three years. And you look and you're like, man, you know, you are emotionally invested in these players. You want them to stay here. You want them to be lifers. And you want them to help us win multiple supporter shields and MLS Cups and anything. championships. Right, CONCACAF championships and U.S. Opens and anything and everything, right? Because you just want this club to do so well. Club World Cup. Club World Cup, why not? Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, it's a business. You buy them young. You attract Foreign, uh, foreign clubs interest, and then you sell them for a profit, and then you use that money to keep building. We've trusted the front office to create this squad with a young team that has sell-on potential that are performing now. When we sell on, we have to trust the club to do this again and again and again, and, and that's what this team is going to <laughs> of be. Of course, but it just it makes it hard because it's like, you know, you bring in a new player. The player has to learn the system. He has to get his chemistry together. You know, and and then you would hope that he performs at the level at which you wanted him to when you brought him in. And you look at something like Andre Horta, right? So Andre came in, he didn't perform the way he did. That was a eighteen month experiment. I, th- I think he he doesn't fit in a four well, three three dynamic system like this. Right, one. but the but the the fact is is that the club brought him in for whatever sort of assets he was able to bring to the club that they wanted to see him bring. And so this whole idea of selling players, so like Diego Rossi. He's going to be gone, whether it's at the end of this season or next summer's transfer window so that he can be transferred to a club at the beginning of their season. In Europe, yeah. In Europe. Chances are he's out, he's gone in a year. and Or less. Yeah. Uh, right, a year or less. I but, could see him signing a deal this offseason for us with, uh, you know, he'll get loaned back to us for the first half of the season or something like that until – or or he's just gone this off season and and you know if we get the right price for him this off season and he goes well there was so seventeen million dollars right we Allegedly, bought him yeah well so we bought him for two point eight and to sell him for seventeen mm-hmm. even if we were to sell him for ten you know what I'm saying we just made three times the amount of money on him and we got to use him for a year and a half or two years yeah you know and that's. I think that that is something that we have to start being used to the idea, which is unfortunate because, like I said, we see these players and they are prolific with us, and then we have to see them play for a different club in the future because it. I mean, that's just the way of the game. But it's like we'll never. Are we ever going to have like a Messi? Well, I have a, a few points about that. Right, the front office has said this is a strategy that they want to establish, and they have for the last year and a half. Right. We know how controlled the dialogue is from the front office. The fact that they release statements like the ESPN Plus statement, like Thorrington has said in interviews, like, um, uh, you know, we've seen in other interviews from other people from the front office, they keep telling us they're going to sell players. That's not, they're saying that on purpose. They want us to hear that and get used to it. We know it's coming. And the the ownership, the ownership is investing a lot of money in the stadium, the players, but they also see it as an investment, which means you want to return on that investment. So not only. Did they bring the, the the right coach? Obviously, now we know that's gonna have an entertaining entertaining form of football. Um, it's gonna be connected with the with the front office and the GM and bringing the right type of players to to fit in this system. But we're getting them young and eager, and also because it's an attractive system, I think we were able to convince someone like Diego Palacios to come here 
um, and get first team football potentially easier than going to Barcelona B and then having a longer runway to try to get into Barcelona, right? Right. And so, that was and, and that was huge too. That was the huge part of the incentive of him coming here was A that we offered him more money. B it was you know, the playing, you know, you're going to be playing at the first level for the MLS. You're going to come here to L.A. And then, you know, he's still young enough to where, yeah, he still could go to Barcelona in two or three years. And LAFC is getting headlines. Why? Because of Bob Bradley, Carlos Felon, you know, being the best team by far. So we're getting international press. So someone like Brian Rodriguez and Diego Palacios that are coming are going to have this um in their minds, with their agents, with the teams they're coming from in South America, it's like, hey, this is a win-win for everyone. We're making more money than we were in, in South America. Uh, the club, the clubs are now establishing a relationship with LAFC where they know they'll get that money um, that's not as much as European, but way more than they would get in Ecuador or uh, Uruguay or Colombia. And uh, an attractive system where they feel like they're going to develop with an established manager. So everyone's winning, and they know that MLS is now doing a good job of moving players on to Europe. Right? You have Almiron. Um, people wanted. Um, I heard Almiron had a cheer within like the first eleven minutes that he played for for uh, Newcastle? Newcastle. Yeah, he also had a pretty horrific dive as well too. He got carded for, but you know. Yeah, way. but he's. I mean, he's going to learn in the Premier League that it's, it's well, no, frowned but upon. Still, you know, that's the thing, though, right? You know, he had made a few good through balls and passes in his first appearance. And I think he came on as a sub in like the 60th minute or something like that, and and within like I said within like 10 minutes he had a cheer. You know what I'm saying? And it's it, it's it's ambitious to think that we potentially will feed into a system like I that. I have a regular customer who's a huge Newcastle fan, and he's ecstatic about this signing. I mean, I I can't recall ever in my life an English club ecstatic about a signing from the MLS. And you know what the MLS is doing is they're actually kind of beating Mexico to the punch to do this. Mexico has existed forever to be able to do this or develop their own players in Solomon at a profit, but they decided to be more of a closed system. And it's not until the MLS started progressing, in my opinion, that they started to sell more Mexican players internationally. And not to, not to, um, what I think LAFC is starting to do is kind of what PSV does, um, what Ajax does, what the the Portuguese league does is they develop their players or sign on players from South America and then sell them for a lot more to the other European clubs. And that's how they're making their profits. Yeah, um, but those clubs still get to participate in Champions League and things like that. Sure, but, you know, you're going to become a popular team over time if you become the, the biggest of an MLS. You're no longer seen as just an MLS team. You're seen as LAFC. Like, you're, you're now considered the league if you can establish this standard for multiple years. So I, I think the strategy is good. The strategy that we're trying um, has been done by other, by other teams, but I think the infrastructure that we have in South America and here um, is putting us in a good position only in year two to hopefully have a longer set of years in which we're bringing young players who are going to come here hungry to prove themselves and continue to bring success to the club. I think Almiron's success is going to change the value of the MLS transfer market 100%. significantly. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I, I, I mean, I, I agree that it's going to change the transfer market value, but I also think that, you know, MLS is not going to be, is still looked at as, you know, a second-hand league. Oh, for sure. A farm league, yeah. But... At what point, though, like what sort of changes do you think would have to happen so that the MLS is a respected league around the world? I think that when salary having caps are gone, salary Ro-ro. caps, right? Promotion relegation, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I just I think that there are things, I mean, like I said, like Zlatan had those comments about the, the playoff structure. I think that there's validity to it. I, you know, I, I think that, yes, I, I put value in the supporter shield but i don't think there's a lot of people that do you know they they don't t- they don't put stars on your jersey because of supporter shields they put stars on your jerseys because of mls cups yeah but that's a i would push back on that just saying this that that's a european mentality versus the americas so mexico south america it's a playoff system does mexico and south america do playoffs yeah, also yeah and they do home and away in mexico and in argentina and in brazil so it's it's just a cultural thing it really is. So his argument isn't incorrect that in Europe, if you're a supporter of a team in Europe and they win the league, 
it's significant because they were the best team throughout the league. And there's still cups, right? There's the league cups. There's the open cups. Um, Euro League Euro and, League and all that. League. So, And those are also significant competitions. But what's the biggest competition in Europe apart from your own league? It's the Champions League. That's a tournament, right? In the end, it's kind of like a playoff system, home and away. So I can see him saying that. But to me, was he saying that because it seems like they're creeping down to seventh? And they're not doing well, and they lost another game, and they might not make it again. There's a real chance of that happening. I don't see that happening. Uh, Which, by the way, thank you guys for uh, putting up the uh, easy up. And for those of you that don't know, you could come by uh, Christmas Tree Lane. Um, home games. Home games. Yeah, we've got our easy up tent set up. We've got our pin merchandise, which also we have an exclusive. I mean, I might as well just talk about it now, right? We'll yeah. post it on Instagram. All black. We've got an all-black, blacked-out pin coming out for the L.A. Galaxy game, and uh, that will be exclusive for... Uh, we only made 50 of them, I believe. Uh, it's going to be same price as a normal pin, 5 bucks. not gouging you on the price just because they're limited. And it's going to be first-come, first-served once we get set up on Christmas Tree Lane for the Derby match against Carson. No DMs, <laughs> no messages. It's just first-come, first-served. We'll be there... Uh, I mean, that game's at 7. I was thinking about being there, like, early, like, 1, 2. I'm sure that it's going to be crazy, especially because this is the only time we're playing them at Yeah, I might yeah. camp out night before. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> quite decided. I'm going to be there probably 3-ish. It's my grandpa's 89th birthday, so I won't be at the tent, but I'm going to be shepherding him, him it's around. Good. It's all good. First you and your posse of 40 people. First match ever. Um, you know he's got 40 fam- people going to the game? Dude, everybody wants to go to the Carson game. My mother has never been to uh, an LAFC game. And she even hit me up the other day and is like, hey, can you get tickets for the Galaxy? I want to come sit with you for the Galaxy game. And I was like, uh, go find a cash machine, Mom. Sorry. I yeah, you're like you you're like three or four months late. My tickets are gone. Um, so Yeah, yeah sorry, no, I'm Mom. going with that. I've got my seats. I've got... All sorts of friends hitting me up. I got friends that like I went to high school with that I haven't talked to in forever. Yeah. That they see my Facebook posts of the of the pictures and stuff like that, and they just know that I have season tickets. They're like, "Hey man, you got any extra seats?" And I'm like, uh, "Come on, bro." I think it's it's, it's a sign of what, and I'm not going to use the T word, but what the LAFC Derby has become. It's become, you know, kind of a cultural icon statement within the city. It's a game that people want to attend. Yeah, dude. You the know, one... it's, it's USC UCLA. It's, well, you know, it's there was Dodgers a, Angels. There was an article. And I think Kevin Baxter wrote it. And this was um, maybe the first quarter of the season. There was a Friday night game where we had a home game at the bank and the Galaxy had a home game in Carson. And he was like, even if you don't sell out, because we still have had sellouts at every home game. but So that's 22000 And if you go to the – and he's like, even if you don't – let's say you do 20000 at the uh, Dignity Health Sports Park. That's 42,000 people on a Friday night in L.A. that are going to watch a soccer game. And it's, 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 it's rapidly changing. The culture in L.A. is rapidly changing. I mean, we've already been dubbed soccer, soccer city by several outlets throughout the season. You know, for the longest time they would say that it was Portland or Seattle or Atlanta or New York. And it's at least f- I've heard f- from several media outlets that they're dubbing L.A. as the new soccer city. And two of those have huge stadiums, right? And credit to those cities that they can fill a lot of that. Those, those football stadiums, seventy-six thousand. Yeah, was Atlanta's the record now? Is seventy-six thousand? Yeah, they keep yeah, breaking their own. What else is there to do there? I mean, come on. They go to the Coca-Cola factory. Hey, dude. <laughs> hey, Atlanta. Hey, Atlanta. There's a lot to do in Atlanta. We should just ask Luch. Yeah, well, that's true. Wait, going back to the Slatan comment, the league actually made it easier. Now it's top seven versus top six. So if they miss out, that's that's a travesty. Honestly, and I mean, and and the or a miracle, depending. I on don't think I don't I don't think it's gonna happen. I mean, second they through have, nine is so tight. It, yes, it's, anything can happen. Uh, Speaking second of how, through nine, yes. Uh, I mean, yes. I would say look at thirty nine. Yeah. This is Seattle as of today, August thirteenth. Thirty nine points. Portland has thirty four, eighth place. Houston Dynamo has thirty. And what are the games in hand? Games in hand. The only one that has games in hand as of right now is Portland with one. Possibly two. Some some teams have played twenty five. Like I said, I, I you know what I think that their uh, latest silent Portland's heavy home games because of the stadium build too at the end of the match at the end of the season. Yeah, but they've been so inconsistent though. 
throughout the season I, I because mean, they weren't home. The table is still a beautiful thing to look at right now. I mean, we tweeted this out, but, I mean, if we could just stop and look for a sec, that it is 16 points between LAFC in first place and Seattle in second place. 16-point difference between first and second. The difference between second and last, 15 points. The gap between us and second place is larger than the difference between second place and 12th place. Right. Dominance. That's crazy. And I think we clinched first place with like 10 or 11 more points. Yeah. Which is crazy. Now, would you, I mean, because the magic number now is 19 Nine, for supporter shield? For the shield, yeah. I'm just saying clinching first first place in the West. And that means that we've got, uh, what, three Potentially three more uh, playoff games. Three, four to, to like. Seal well, no, because you get a first round bye. So there's a first round bye. Yeah. And then it and then it goes down to uh, it goes from six teams in the first round down to three teams, and then there's four. So yeah, there would only be three more games. Right. So they get rest. That'd be great. LAFC's in pole position to, to not only break records of the team. We're even we haven't even talked about Carlos Vela getting two assists on a goal. Like oh, yeah, he's about to break Sebastian Giovinco's record for assist, yeah. assists and goals in a single season. He has 10, All he has to do is one. Ten games to do it. Crazy. Well, he's obviously, I mean, he's going to get one assist or one goal in the next ten games. That's that's a given. He's just going to get it in penalties alone, for sure. Yeah. He's, he's already, still on pace to, to break the golden boot. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. He's well, on pace to What set. is uh, Joseph Martinez's record? Is it 37? Well, he's been on a tear lately. Was I think it was no, 10, 10, 10, right? Single huh? I mean, season, 31, I think. 31? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll look and, it up right now. What does Carlos have now? 24? 23. Just just to to go back for one moment, the Galaxy are, are <laughs> one point away from being out Let's, right now. What's the rest of their schedule? Who are they playing? Doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what it does, dude. It's if you, are they playing scrubs at the bottom of these brackets? Are they? I really don't. I really don't see the Galaxy missing the playoffs this year. I don't see it. I don't see it either. But it's a possibility. If of the, the it's well, a the league, the league is super tight. I'm just saying it's a real possibility. Uh, so their next game is against Dallas. So that is the team that is directly behind them. So that's a big game with implications for the two of those teams. So you're saying uh, after you that lose. they play the Sounders. After that, their game versus us is going to be the next game. After that, which man, there's going to be so much riding on that game for us. Uh, you know, emotionally and in the so community as we have, well. With we the Quakes on the 21st, the Derby on the 25th of August, September 1st, Minnesota. Minnesota. Then Orlando, Union, Toronto, Minnesota, Dynamo, yeah. Minnesota. That's us, And though, then right? Toronto, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what about Carson? So September, they go back to Seattle. So they have two matches against Seattle. Us and FC Dallas that are right behind them. Um, so, I mean, it's not like, you know, they're not, you know, picking on bottom feeders. Right. Then they have a game against the Rapids, which, Is you know, they should feeder. win, but... That being said, I mean, you know, they've already lost to the Rapids once this year already. And they so, just I mean, beat, they just beat the Earthquakes, too. Colorado just beat the Earthquakes this uh, Then they play Sporting Kansas City, which, I mean, they're no pushovers as well, too. So yeah. Let me ask but you this. Out, outside, outside of the obvious Galaxy game as being the game that you are most looking forward to, what's the next game that you guys, for the remaining remaining regular season, what's the next game that you're like, man, I'm really looking forward to watching this game? Whichever one we statistically take the shield in. Oh, no, I want to wow. see them beat the Union and Toronto. I want to shut them down. So I'm interested in Toronto because of Laurent Simon. Ah, dude, he's slow now. It doesn't matter. It's the fact that it's the, his return to the bank. And then I'm also interested in seeing Houston because of Christian Ramirez. Well, yeah, and we have, you know, we have some history with them as well, too. So. Yeah, they knocked what us are, out. What are the only teams we haven't taken They knocked out the Galaxy yet, last year, right? by the way. Uh, three of them. There's three teams that we haven't gotten. Well, one of them no, 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 no. We've gotten so we a point from all now. of them. One of them we've gotten. We've gotten a point from every single team at this point. I'll I find. Thought, I thought Red Bulls was one of them. I think we we, we no not anymore. We saw, we saw someone off the revenge. Not list. until this year, we got a point. From oh, them. Chicago's the other one. Chicago is a tie. The Galaxy is a tie. I'll find out the third one for you right now. You're saying who we didn't get wins against. Mm-hmm. Still, I mean, it's only our second season, and the fact that you know we've almost crossed every one of these teams off the list is pretty. Miami, impressive. we haven't gotten points again. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't count. And NYCFC, the smallest field in the freaking league. Yeah. Dio missed that that sitter. It was a frustrating game. But Carlos Vela, one of the best gifts in LAFC history, there though, with the home run swing. 
That was great. Make a shirt. Oh, make yeah, a shirt. there you go. <laughs> make a shirt. That's, that's, I mean, by far my favorite celebration, speaking of which, because I actually get to see the You know what's crazy? One. So uh, I don't know even know if anybody even paid attention to this. Um, so Carlos Vela took a swing as a left-handed batter. I did notice that, yeah. His hands were backwards for a left-handed batter. Maybe he no, wanted no. to go. No, no. He was no, trying no. to he, he, like, opposite field, man. What? He's trying to go opposite field. He's that, choking up. That's not how you hit. You haven't, he don't know. Maybe he's I a cricket know. player. Maybe <laughs> no, a, I do know. Maybe he plays no, cricket. No, dude, if you're batting left-handed, your right hand is at the bottom of the bat. He swung it like this with his left hand on the bottom. All right, so he's not a baseball player. I'm not, I'm not going to doubt anything in terms of technique that he does. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was just going for a curler. You yeah. Know? Mm. yeah. Yeah, maybe they're playing him, you know, loaded to the right. He choked up opposite-handed. Tony Gwynn style, going for do that 5.5 you have 5. any idea what you're saying? Yes, I do, dude. <laughs> oh, okay. I watch baseball. Yeah, but nobody switches their hands when they're hitting, regardless of what side of the I field they're I've never tra- seen that Not happen, until ever. it's done and it's done right. Got it. Yeah. If anyone can do it, Vela could do it. Yeah. I believe in it. Got it. So the upcoming match this weekend against RSL, what, what things do you expect, especially with their coach just recently being fired for saying a uh, slur in Spanish in the um, – International Cup with Mexico. I think we're going to destroy them. I think they're a team in tatters. I think they're going to be chippy, though. I mean, the last time we played them, they've been... Well, that's how they do it. I think our club doesn't do well in terms of hold... You know, we get frustrated. I would say that... I mean, obviously, we're going to see a heavy squad rotation for this game. I don't think it's going to be all starters. Um, there's a chance, you know, some of our new additions might get some time in this game, although I think unlikely to see it, but it depends on, you know, their fitness and acclimation and training. I think that we would put some of our 18, our bench 18 players in before we put Diego and uh, Brian in and uh, Rayito. Rayito, yeah. Little lightning bolt. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I Cheeky think, I P, think right? Should, which is, Cheeky? Which, yeah. Cheeky P, come on, yeah. that's got to be the best Cheeky name. P. Cheeky P. Cheeky. Cheeky is what they call him. Yeah, Palacios. he's small. Cheeky yeah, P. but... I'd say you put him in this game if you're gonna do it. Um, I'd and if I were gonna rotate, I actually would rather rotate next next midweek game against San Jose, because I don't want starters in that game. I prefer starters getting the regular weekend to weekend and then resting in the midweek, even if it's against San Jose in the Western Conference, and then rest our starters to play against uh, the Galaxy on on that Sunday night on the 25th. So that's the way I would approach it. But I'm not Bob, right? That makes sense. It makes sense. I'm- yeah, but San Jose is also trending upwards. Well, that's fine. I'd rather give confidence to the rest of the squad. They're trending upwards. Let's let's see what they can do. One, but I'd rather not play my starters against San Jose when a few days later we're playing the Galaxy at home. Even though now, it's a how- home game, though? Is San Jose at home, too? Yeah, it's home. Yeah, but, I mean, it's an hour flight anyway. So even if it was at San Jose, it, it doesn't matter. No, but it's the fact that, you know. Just- You're playing in front of the 3252, in front of your home crowd. I don't know. I mean, I I see. I, yeah, I would. I would, knowing how much the, the the galaxy game means, mm-hmm. I would prefer to have rested legs. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough call. It's a dilemma. So sure. much emotion riding in that game. You know that there uh, hasn't been a single team in the MLS that's ever had an undefeated home record in a season. And. I my trade off is if we play bench and lose that game but win against the Galaxy, I'll take that all day. I don't care if we go undefeated or not. I mean, it's a cool thing to hang your hat on. It's a cool sure. statistic. I mean, I think yeah. Anytime statistical anomalies happen, I think that's an amazing thing. Carlos Vela being the all-time scorer of Mexican birth, I think you know, that's a statistical anomaly, but it's still an amazing fact nonetheless. I don't particularly appreciate that a lot of people don't put a lot of weight in that. I think that's a I think that's an amazing accomplishment that he's been able to do that in just a season and a half is is astounding. And yeah. I think if we were able to go an entire season without being defeated at the bank, you know, it creates this idea in the opponent's head that we have this impenetrable fortress, right? And so there's collateral that goes into next season, into every match you play in the bank. And, and let's be honest, at this point, we're probably going to have home field advantage throughout the course of the playoffs based on our regular season record. And if we go into that postseason knowing that we, the opponent team, knowing we've never lost a game in the stadium this season, I, I think that carries some psychological weight with your opponent. I think that helps from an intimidation factor standpoint. I think there's more to it than just resting players for the, for the Carson game. 
I think there's something to be said that going forward, if teams believe they can't win here, then that gets in their head. Oh, man. I mean, there is there's a lot. And just think, if we were still in the U.S. Open Cup, we'd have to be playing that game, too. This would be like, like right now, almost like this tomorrow. No, no, it's I think like it's tomorrow. the 27th. I thought it was the 27th. Oh, it's it was the day August. after. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I thought it was August 27th. That's crazy. Well. And so then at that point, well, because the Galaxy game is the 25th. Sure. So then if you had the Galaxy game on the 25th and then the U.S. Open Cup championship game against Atlanta on the 27th, then how would you do your lineup? I think the league needs to, first of all, next year look at their rivalry week to not coincide with Open Cup 1. 2, I would still, at that point, I for sure rest everybody for the for the San Jose game in this hypothetical. like You would rest everyone for the San Jose game? Yeah, play everyone for, for the, the Galaxy, Galaxy game, game and then play everybody again. In two days? Because you would host it. I think we had, at that point, we were we were in the bracket where we would host. Yes. So. Uh, no, it, it had to get reseeded. I don't know. I don't think so. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But I, so I then, think they would have changed it up. I don't think they would have had us play. Nope. No way, dude. Those those are the the reason why, because that, that came out earlier, those are televised through ESPN. Plus. There was a contract. ESPN Plus, yeah. Right. There was a contract or something with ESPN to where they were like, you can't change them. You can't change the dates. Wow. This sounds like some Premier League BS. Sounds like some MLS, <laughs> some MLS <laughs> stuff right there. You know? Whoops, we didn't realize our own schedule it's conflicted like with Premier our Premier League schedule. never switching games for the Champions League. and Every other country does that. Losers. <laughs> As a FA. Yeah, great. I mean, yeah. you know, just uh, before we wrap up here, obviously in a great a great Premier League week for all of us. All of our teams won, even though we all root for different teams. We're all oh, undefeated dear. at the moment. Allison. Arsenal alphabetically on top in the standings at the moment, as always. Uh, I don't think that's how it works, bro. I think it's goal differential. <laughs> we got five, dude. United got four, so that's cool. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Four, four nil against Chelsea. Yeah, but Liverpool lost Allison Becker for a number of weeks. That's a huge blow. So two two of Arsenal's best players can't play because London gangs are threatening them. I mean, it's a crazy situation. No, they can going. play. They just are well, they, fearful they got, they're for their not well-being. security cleared. I, I there was a, a report that came out today that said neither one of them have security clearance to play this upcoming game. They've both been uh, they're not allowed to be in the lineup for this upcoming game because what does of that security. mean like you need the communities in like agreement i don't know how does that even work i don't know i've never even heard of something like this happening but they said based on threats from north london gangs both players were were not going to be suiting up who's mesut ozil and who uh said kolatsinich that is crazy what they're like knife gangs right they got they got held up uh, <laughs> by knife, yeah. And then and Kolasinich chased him off while while he and Ozil were in the call. Ah, it's a crazy story, but um, well, we managed without a guest to still get somewhere near an hour here, boys. So um, great to chat with you guys. Love talking the game. I think we uh, had a lot to go over. So much going on within the community. You know, and we still didn't even hit on all of our points either that no. we wanted to talk about. We, uh, you know, there were so many other players that we could have talked about that are potentially going to be gone in the next couple of years. We'll uh, maybe off season chat. Hey, we'll we'll, uh, we'll put a, a, a pin in it. Off season chat, dude. We'll yeah. Save them. There's plenty. There's, plenty There's to gonna talk be. Pl- about. We've got. We've got to make sure we have plenty to talk about for the off season. I, I do think we're gonna see some 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 squad changes this off season. I don't think we're just gonna hold Pat. Um, you know, I definitely think we're gonna lose some players. Rossi, K. I mean, who knows? So, what number do you guys think that Diego Palacios is gonna wear? Something low. Well, so the lowest number is eight. I could see that. Yeah. No, I don't. Right now, our available numbers are 8, 12. I mean, technically, there's 16 and 15, because 16 is Javi and 15 is uh, Guido, and Guido's never played a single match. I don't think they're going to take away his number from him, though. I could see they 8 can. or 12. When Lee Wynn came in last season, one of our goalies, I think it was either Charlie Leone or um, Bubba, had to change their number. I don't think he had to. I think he willingly no, gave it up. No, Bubba well, was 22 the whole time, so it was the other one. Charlie Leon. Yeah. Yeah, he went from 24 to 13. I, I, there was probably a closed-door conversation between the two of them. Out of 8 that. and 12, I think he'd take 12. Yeah, I think 12. Yeah, I'll but 12. then somebody on Reddit was saying that MLS has to present a roster, and that roster jersey numbers can't be changed until the following season. So because 8 and 12 were both occupied at the beginning of the season, that those may not be available now. And not, I was... I, I I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if MLS had an arbitrary rule like that. Yeah. 
So then I guess that means that the next available number would be like 29, I guess. Dude, he should just do his birthday or whatever that is. We got a 99 already. So yeah. make it what? Oh, he's double two, zero. He's 2,000? I guess it would be double zero. <laughs> That's cool. He could be zero. Why not? Does when do you think he's going to debut? Um, well, pr- how about he get presented to the club first? San Jose, dude. San Jose? Yeah. I think Harvey needs a rest anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. It's uh I mean you would you would like to think that even though they are they had been in in fitness to be ready for their season you still would think that they'd want some time to get team chemistry and understand Bob's system. Yeah, you never know garbage time though. I mean, who knows? Could see him sooner than that. We'll see. Uh I'm I can't wait to watch. Let me ask you this. Does Brian Rodriguez have more minutes than Fito Zelaya at the end of the year? Yes. I think if you Draw a line from today, from now until the end of the season, I think he gets more minutes than Fito. I don't know about total on the whole season. I still think so. Um, but it's possible. It's Bob had a comment possible. last week saying that he's still trying to understand the system and the fitness. And to me, that means that he's just not ready. He's not ready. Um, I don't think he's putting the defensive effort. I think there's a similar. Andre Horta esque. Exactly. That's sad because the community was really behind him. You know, he was super nice when we met him. Uh, and that's know, as of tacos. now. That's yeah. as of now, right now. So he can change his mentality because if he becomes part of the team, so many people are going to, you know, get behind him. But I think it has gotten more difficult with a 19 year old coming that's eager, who plays, who defends his own area, his own spot, and also creates that, that thing. He's going to fall a little bit further back in the pecking order, even well, you though know what, Christian again, Ramirez though, left. Well, but again, if Diego Rossi is gone in the offseason. But that's next year. We're talking about this season. Well, I mean, you're right. We are talking about the season. But I'm saying if Fito stays and he decides to try and he's staying because he has a long contract. And yeah, he's, he's going to be here next season. I yeah. think. I yeah. I think the goal is to get him more minutes by next season. Yeah, it's a multi-year contract. He's not going back to El Salvador. We're going to pay him more here. I think they do want to sell him on eventually as well too. And I think you know they're going to give him another year. And I think off season after we that. have only fifty percent rights of Brian Rodriguez too, right? Belon rights, I think. Yeah, fifty percent. I don't think they've announced it. Uh, I don't for know if GKP, it's fifty or thirty, but, but yeah. no, I think we have fifty. Yeah, fifty percent I... uh, for Raita. Yeah, but I don't think they've announced anything for Palacios yet. Anyways, guys, well, this was great. Glad to finally be back, and you know, this is like the happiest hour <laughs> of my week. It's so. a happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with that, guys. Thank you for listening. Follow us at LAFCS2S on Twitter and Instagram and all social media. If they want to find us, Jonathan, where do they look for us? At LAFCS2S, www.lafcs2s.com. Or you can reach out to us with any of our first names, whether it is myself, Jonathan, Chris, or Christian at LAFCS2S.com via email. Oh, one more thing, right? Tomorrow I'm going to be... Uh, one last shout out. Tomorrow I'm going to be as a guest on Dolly Black and Gold, their podcast. Oh, sweet. So, uh, shout yeah, out to, we're making the pod rounds. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Pablo and Uli. Yeah. While uh, we're doing shout outs, uh, shout out to our brother Christian from Defenders. Happy birthday today. Yeah. Uh, uh, the last year of your youth as uh, next year you are officially over the hill and will have to retire from podcasting when you turn 40. So, uh, happy birthday, brother. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy your final year. Happy birthday, Philly. With happy that, birthday. Take us home, Sticks. Too showed up. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay fly in that FC door, son. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her. Fit. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that.